0: bugle audio newspaper for a visual world hello buglers and welcome to the first ever bugle to be recorded in a united kingdom reigned over by a king um since we last puddled into your ears the queen the renowned queen and uh, pro-celebrity non-executive head of state of our british uh hearts and nation for over 70 years died at the age of 96 since then There's been a period of official national mourning, the queue to end all queues, a state funeral attended by so many world leaders that the TV commentators simply gave up trying to guess who was who and still less where they were from. We've had the biggest fancy dress parade in living memory and now we have a nervous wait to find out what kind of country emerges from the scratch card of history as normality reserts itself. Yes, after 70 years of unbroken queenery and 134 out of the last 185 years... We now have a queue of kings lined up, starting uh, with Charles stretching out beyond the span of living imagination to a distant time when King George VII rules over the last remaining visible peak of the Scottish Highlands. Uh, so here we are, uh, I am Andy Zaltzman and I am now officially a subject of... A term with which I'm not entirely comfortable of uh, <laughs> Prince Charles, <laughs> uh, who was uh, well, well of King Charles. Prince Charles, of course, constitutionally, instantaneously rebranded as King Charles III, A.K.A. KC3, or Triple Chucky, <laughs> or, or uh, Cha Cha Charles, or Chazzy Spangle Hat, as you wish, providing the continuity that royalty and monarchy bring to our increasingly fractured and politically chiselled land. To reflect on all we have seen and experienced. These last two weeks, for this, issue 4240 of The Bugle, I'm joined by, firstly, by a woman who was not chosen to give a reading at the Queen's funeral for reasons that remain unclear to this day, <laughs> Tiffany Stevenson.
1: Hello, hi, I think uh, Chucky 3 is actually Revenge of Chucky, All right, okay. or it could be Bride of Chucky, in which case the Bride of Chucky is called Tiffany, <laughs> so it could be my reign in many right. ways, so well, who knows. Yep.
0: But we never know these days, and representing the commonwealth aka empire light aka the whoops let's try that one again but this time uh, less violently association of nations from india anuvab pal uh, hello anuvab you've actually been here in london yes uh for this whole um strange <laughs> process um yes. how how have you found it as a as a as a, as a sort of an outsider looking in um you know Adi, it's, it's quite interesting
2: because um, I've been in London and my um, parents have been in London as well. Um, and they arrived on the day that Her Majesty passed away. And my parents are of the Salman Rushdie generation of Indians, you know, midnight's children, as it were. And they wanted to go to Buckingham Palace on the day of her demise. And nobody was sure what the protocol would be and how the following days would pan out because your royals were in Balmoral, which apparently is in Scotland. Um, So it was basically loads of people from the Commonwealth staring at each other at Buckingham Palace, carrying flowers, unsure of where to put it. (laughs) Sort of pondering whether this was the right sort of fealty, the right amount or too much. Are we paying respects or loitering outside the House of the Queen? Which basically (laughs) sums up the Commonwealth's relationship with the monarchy over the last 70 years. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, I mean it was a very strange day I was um, at the Oval Cricket Ground uh, which was supposed to be the first day of the third test between England and South Africa and uh, news that the Queen was uh, very ill um, was announced there was a very strange, uh, strange kind of feeling about the place there was a lot of rain around so they didn't play any cricket anyway And then I went to the BBC, where we were due to record the first episode of the news quiz, which was then cancelled when the official announcement was made. And then I actually walked to Victoria Station um, from the BBC, which is near Oxford Circus, and I went past Buckingham Palace. On the way to Buckingham Palace, there were a lot of extremely full pubs. Uh, it, (laughs) It should be said, people paying... Paying their respects in the traditional British way, and um, so I might, I might have even walked past you then, Anuvab. It was um, it was an interesting thing, uh, interesting thing thing to see. Uh, let, let's uh, let's get the show started officially before we go into this in a little more depth. We are recording on the twentieth of September. Um, the uh, the funeral was uh, yesterday as we record, so the national period of mourning is now over. But looking back in history, this week in eighteen fifty seven, Anuvab, the siege of yep. Delhi. Yes. reached a rather brutal, um, somewhat murderous conclusion in the kind of history we in Britain prefer to flatly ignore uh, yes. because <laughs> um, it's more convenient that way. We don't want to have to rewrite the history out of which we'd already edited stuff like that uh, because it makes us feel uh, a bit awkward about some of the more imperial-era relics that we uh, like to feel proud about on important state occasions. Uh, I'll now share with you, yes. Anivab, everything I was taught at school about the Indian Rebellion of 1857. Yes, Oh, there you go. That was illuminating (laughs) for you and and everyone
2: else. I've always wondered, Andy, I've I've seen some of your history books in Britain and it basically goes from the Battle of Trafalgar straight to defeating Hitler. (laughs) 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 And I wondered if you had any suggestions, Andy Tiff, on if you had to you had to fill those 200 years with history, any nonsense, because you don't want to cover the empire. Fair enough. Yeah. What would you fill it with? Would it be cricket statistics? What would those 200 years? Well, definitely. Lindy definitely...
1: hop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely for me, you know, the, the career of WG Grace and the uh, yes. the, uh, the birth of international cricket that, that came about, the greatest uh, um, peace and joy creating force the world has ever known. So uh, I'll probably go with that. Um on the 21st of September, three years after that, 1860, the Battle of Palikao in the Second Opium War uh, was a decisive uh, British victory. The Brit- Britain's strategic objective in the Second Opium War was the legalisation of the opium trade uh, as we tried to consolidate our position as the Pablo Escobar of the 19th century. Uh, <laughs> soon after that, British troops burned down the Chinese Emperor's uh, Summer Palace. And then, again, let me check my school history notes for a few more details on that one. You're all welcome, Uh, remember as the saying goes, those who are ignorant of history are doomed not to be haunted by its harrowing lessons of the depravity of humanity Um, (laughs) As always a section of The Bugle is going straight uh, in the bin and uh, well we have to have this uh, at this time in the United Kingdom, a commemorative audio supplement with highlights of Every single minute silence observed over the UK over the past 12 days, all layered over one another to give a unique commemorative audio memento of our national morning and condensed into 1.5 seconds so you can listen to it uh, at, well, minutely intervals for the rest of your lives. Here is our official conglomeration of all the minute silences of the last 12 days. You've spoiled it, Anuvab. You've spoiled it. Let's, let's have another go, can <laughs> we? Let's, let's have some. Disrespectful. Dis- <laughs> What's well, very disrespectful? Let's have another go. I'll, I'll, I'll set the clock on it. We've got to do a second and a half. Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> That'll do. Um, also, uh, in the bin, a special. Uh, interview this week with uh, Sir Strangeford Pumperty-Grafton, the Royal Crown Sergeant Trainer of the Noggins since 1947, who gives the bugle his exclusive tips on how to strengthen your neck muscles to cope with a life of 24-7, 365 crown-wearing, uh, plus added tips on how to sleep without your crown falling off, because uh, I know uh, the new king is an avid listener of this show. Also, uh, we have some of the history of the uh, neck exercises performed by monarchs to hone their crown-supporting musculature. Here's a little snippet uh, from that interview.
3: Uh, well Andy, the average crown weighs of course 120 kilograms. Uh, Queen Victoria by the midpoint of her reign had a neck like an absolute wildebeest. It was quite strikingly (laughs) beautiful in a certain light according to uh, Benjamin uh, Disraeli. That came Uh, (laughs) of course from years of balancing a seal on her head for an hour every morning before breakfast um, uh, on the advice of my predecessor the Earl of Barkish. This of course was the origin of the kipper as a breakfast food Uh, it was something that both the seal and uh, Majesty Queen Victoria were prepared to eat whilst they discussed affairs of state. And going further back the trend for elaborate neck ruffs during the uh, reign of the first Queen Elizabeth in the 16th century, originated, of course, from her extraordinarily large royal neculature, seen at its most potent, of course, when she headed a flaming cannonball off the White Cliffs of Dover directly into the Spanish flagship El Botrugeño in 1588 at turning point in the defeat of the Armada. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that the full interview is, uh, is in the bin.
2: <laughs> Andy, can I just say, this is yes. my first time encountering Royal commentators. Oh, yes. Of course, they were out in in all their glory. I think they had been waiting for years and years. This was their sort of major test match, if you will. And I think after day four, it was really difficult for them to say something insightful uh, and not repeat. Day four? Day four? (laughs) Day (laughs) four? Minute 35, Uh, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, 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 that's better. That's better. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorites, I think, by day six was a gentleman saying, It was a delight to meet her and she was wonderful. And he'd said this a few times. And then the the main guy said, Well, is there anything you have to add? And he said, Well, she asked me, Is that a door? And I said, Yes, ma'am. That was the kind and warm person she was. And I think I think that's when anecdotes have reached their complete nadir. Or, you know, you have to...
1: I don't know. I think we can compete with that. There was a... The Corgis had no idea of her status.
2: <laughs> that's good.
1: Yeah. Um, and there was also the Queen's image in a cloud. Let's not forget the Queen's... We've seen the Queen's image in... Next you'll be telling me she's on stamps. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> You're seeing her on stamps. <laughs> You're seeing her on coins. She's everywhere. Um, that was within. That was in the first day. That was like the first day of commentary on it. But actually, on the first day, like on Monday, just gone, I actually got my period. Out of respect for the Queen, it's what right. she would have wanted. Um, well, I do actually call it trooping the colour. So that.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was interesting, wasn't it? That the things that were announced as being out of respect uh, for the Queen, and we saw this particularly in sport. So I mentioned that the Test match I was at on day one. So the second day was uh, was cancelled, and then they resumed the game on the scheduled third day and they announced that they were continuing with the cricket as a mark of uh, respect for, for the Queen, but um, you know, to, to, to be able to pay tribute and there was a kind of moving minute silence and various uh, other things at the, at the ground and yeah, Prince Philip was a big cricket fan and supporter of various cricketing charities in, in his time but football cancelled all of its games out of respect for the Queen um and it did i mean it did and then boxing was cancelled uh, but rugby carried on i don't know what you know what that says about the relative levels and styles of violence that were and were not respects <laughs> uh, respects for the queen then on the resumption of football liverpool scored an injury time winner to beat dutch champions ajax as a mark of respect to the queen whilst tottenham hotspur Lost to Sporting Lisbon, also as a mark of respect <laughs> to the Queen, and, and and Chris, I know as a as a Tottenham Hotspur fan, you know we we look upon the Queen as a as an icon of stability and continuity. And I guess Spurs' defeat to Lisbon was a a kind of a gesture that, that the Queen you know, exemplified the fact that some things in this country must never change. Some traditions are inviolable, and and Spurs losing important football matches is is, is one of them. Is that, is that is that how you interpreted it? I mean I was actually blaming Prince
2: Charles for our defeat. I was right. like, for once I've got a new target for this. <laughs> sorry, sorry,
0: King Charles. Yeah. Um, c- can I please get off this island? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, you were but... at the cricket, Andy. Surely. Surely when you were at the cricket and they announced it, did one person go, Well, she had a good innings?
0: Um mm. well You know, there was a kind of genuine outpouring of emotion around the country, as well as a lot of kind of performating, performative excessive respect-paying, various you know, TV journalists making sure they were filmed whilst paying their respects. <laughs> um, and, and some really weird things happened as well. Centre parks, the holiday parks, in, in, they incurred the fury of their customers by announcing they would be closing their venues on the day of the funeral and telling the people who were staying there to stay somewhere else which was not ideal given that Centre Park's as a holiday destination is already the somewhere else that people were staying. <laughs> um, they then they then backtracked appropriately because, you know, what we know about Her Majesty the Queen is she loved having somewhere to stay and <laughs> I- ideally with a water slide. Um, this,
1: this was middle-class crisis. I have not seen the middle-class <laughs> rage since they ran out of free Chinette during Wimbledon. uh i like it was quite i was like oh this is interesting and then someone said i think on twitter and i I can't um we could probably find out who it was but said good luck you've just you've spent a week training these people in in archery crossbow (laughs) swimming and hunting (laughs) all kinds of other things (laughs) like they're not leaving without a fight um but it's absolutely insane. I think it was it Anne Summers or one of those oh, yes. Like one of the
0: <laughs> Well, I mean I mean it has to be said that businesses paid tribute to the Queen in some of the most moving social media posts <laughs> in the 5 billion year history of this country. Um the Legoland theme park tweeted a picture of a Lego Queen uh, because I think the Queen's reign will be remembered as the reign in which more children played with Lego than any other monarchs. Um <laughs> Anne Summers, as you mentioned, the undergarmentier and bedroomial accoutrement retailer, uh, also <laughs> paid tribute in a tweet because, no,
1: I've got no fucking idea why they did that either. <laughs> no, I mean, why? Do it, The why? Queen loved our edible knickers, our edible thongs. I mean, we're going to take a day off selling this because people need time to really sit with their feelings. Um, but not in that way. Um <laughs> uh,
0: the British Kebab Awards solemnly expressed their sadness um, <laughs> in a tweet. A, tr- a touching tribute to a monarch under whose reign sales of kebabs have soared by thousands of percents. This is this where country. we've
1: collectively lost our minds. Like, you don't mind people mourning, but just, like, watching a nation descend into madness is, <sighs> you know, like the queue, five miles long. I was like, in nine months' time, we're going to have all these queue babies. <laughs> As a result, they say if a true Cockney is born within the sound of the Bow Bells, I think a true royalist will be conceived within view of Westminster Hall pret a <laughs> like, uh, it, it, it But we sort of entered into levels like, and, and everyone kind of doing it in their own way, but then the policing of how other people did it, and if you weren't showing the expected levels of deference and the wall-to-wall coverage, it just felt like it felt like we were living on Insane Island, right?
0: It was. It was. I mean, there was. It was kind of hard to to discern where that you know because there, there clearly a lot of people were hugely fond of the Queen, even people who weren't necessarily fond of the monarchy as an institution. Yeah. Mm. And you know, people you know had come to respect her over her her long reign for the 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 way she'd done a weird job, uh, quite impressively. Now I've got, you know, I have a weird job. I think she's one of the only people. You know, I who has a had a weirder job than me as monarch is <laughs> weirder than cricket statistician stroke comedian i think that is you know that is so so i respect her for for doing that for so long and so there was you know a huge amount of both kind of institutional and personal uh affection and uh gratitude in a lot of ways and you know, should have a you know, life of priv- massive massive privilege but also a huge amount of service and it is amazingly rare how to how rarely those two actually go together it's usually one or the other uh, but to, to to get both was was i guess fairly rare but as you said i mean the the the, the queue was I and mean, people queuing up f- up to 20 hours at one point some people went around twice um and um you know it was you know, you know well well it, it's quite amazing they they, they the British addiction to queuing,
1: <laughs> yes, mm.
0: and this kind of desire to feel part of a of a historic moment, I can sort of you know understand uh, understand. There was a lot of complaints about queue queue barging, uh, as well from various TV celebrities and politicians. Um,
1: oh. Beckham which, queued, didn't he? There was Beckham, like a lot of respect for the fact that Beckham yeah. queued. He joined at two in the morning. Yeah. I would I was almost tempted to go down just to do a couple of hours in the queue to get the vibe. Because I definitely think the Beeb are going to announce casting for the queue. One Q, one epic <laughs> romance. It's going to be like, so, so if a sense of, because it is a huge time of change. And I get it. Like my mum, you know, watched the funeral and was very upset. She was upset the day of. And she said she's been there my whole life. So for someone like my mum, I can sort of understand that sort of sense of constant. Um, what I don't understand is when other people are told off and not, Paying those yes. uh, yeah, yeah absolutely same levels of like kind of res- you know uh, mourning or what what's considered respectful or 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 not respectful I suppose like like the even people talking about Meghan holding hands with Harry like the the level of commentary on that sort of mad you know like. P- people on Twitter and I was like are these people for real like she's holding his hand she has to make it all about herself but like pearl clutching like they were like Hollywood movie stars like whatever next the show affection in public in a time of marlin you know like I was like what do you What do you, how do you think humans should behave like keep a respectful simmering resentment from each other you know like that that actually so, so it just if people felt unhinged maybe I was on Twitter too much but it definitely felt unhinged on Twitter
0: <laughs> oh yes well to be honest all life feels unhinged on Twitter, Tiff. So I think, particularly at a time of extreme such as uh, so, and, and it was interesting that you know that that, that, that everything s- sort of stopped, sports stopped, you know, kind of regular news stopped, But what was allowed to go on was the media hounding of Harry and Meghan that went on un- unchecked. Uh, I don't know is that some kind of mark of continuity amidst uh, amidst this time of change. I'm not quite sure what the uh, the tradition of that was.
2: This is my first time encountering, you know, what mourning in Britain entails. Now, about 15 years ago, one of India's biggest movie stars, Rajkumar, died in South India. And we reacted in the uniform way Indian movie fans react, by setting shops and buses on fire. And it was perfectly understandable, because that's, that's an understandable way of reacting. He was a big movie star. There were giant posters of him all across South India. And we set buses and shops on fire. So, immediately the police were called out, and it was a natural outpouring of grief. It makes sense. The buses were empty. Fair enough. Now, this is my first experience with what mourning entails for your 60 million people, which is a conundrum. You know, because I encountered a large number of existential dilemmas. People saying, should all the shops be closed? Should they be open? Should all entertaining and dining be shut? Is that respect or is that disrespect? What would she <laughs> have wanted? Should I swear a vow of silence? Should I keep talking? Should I keep my friends? Should I run a marathon? Should I climb Big Ben? You know, as a foreigner, it was I was seen. And, and then sensibly, as a nation, you decided any sort of work would be disrespectful and yes, stayed at home. Um, yeah. And I recommend using this as a tactic whenever you're feeling lazy
0: every year on this day of her passing. Uh, so, so well, every- I mean, Yes, yeah. and, and staying home. Um, it was a, a very good mark of respect because the Queen had so many homes. The Met Office reduced the frequency of its weather forecasts as a mark of respect. Um, yeah. It was unclear how giving more, of more regular and detailed <laughs> weather forecasts <laughs> could be disrespectful, but it should also be added. <laughs> that uh, reports have reached us that Tefnut, the ancient Egyptian weather god, who still operates the weather in the Northern Hemisphere, albeit in a less high-profile way than 3,000 years ago, did agree to keep the weather as predictable as possible throughout the 10-day uh, state mourning period. So uh, it was... and it, and it was, yeah, you know, there wasn't too much rain. So thank you, Tefnut and the Met Office, for that. British Cycling strongly recommended that people did not ride their bicycles during the Queen's Funeral... As a mark of respect, that's um,
1: very much upset Chris. That's a personal blow for Chris.
0: Again, unclear. Um, you know, unicycles, I, I could sort of understand that. Um, juggling. You know, uh, that juggling a,
1: on a unicycle, disrespectful. De- definitely.
0: Mm. And, you know, up and down the aisle of Westminster Abbey during the funeral, very disrespectful. <laughs> I could see that. But cycling broadly, I, it's hard. Hard to see. Also, um, the NHS put operations on hold for the day of the funeral <laughs> um, uh, and GP surgeries were closed. I don't know if that was a mark of respect or just basic staffing logistics. But either way, that that didn't seem appropriate. And the petitions page on the Parliament website was shut down until after the period of mourning, just in case an opinion should be promulgated at this sad, sad time of national reflection.
2: So I just had a quick question, Andy um, and Tiff, on what you guys think of this Again, my first observation of this: the Airbnb I'm staying in next door is a taekwondo class, and they said the taekwondo class, instead of the usual hour, would be half an hour long in memory of the Queen. <laughs> and and I just want to know is if that's something she would have wanted, uh, if that was respectful, <laughs> disrespectful?
1: I don't. I don't. I don't. You, it's either going ahead or not going ahead, a half a taekwondo class <laughs> <laughs> it feels like. Utterly pointless. What's going on? What
0: um, sort of emphasised to me the uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the strangeness of the monarchy in its position in this country. And like I said, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not an arch republican. I'm not. i definitely not a monarchist. Um, it's a it's a strange place, isn't it? That it's massively anti democratic, but if we had a vote on it, all the polling suggests that people would vote to keep the anti-democratic institution and it's you know a lot of people love it particularly in the older generations a lot of people are pretty skeptical about it i think quite a lot of people are fairly ambivalent uh, towards it but it's just the the instant promotion of uh, of the bookie's favorite uh, prince charles to become <laughs> King, um, <laughs> with literally not a heartbeat missed. Uh, I mean, there were. It's it did emphasise how strange it all is, and you know, we're having to rejig our, our national anthem, of which I, as repeatedly stated on the bugle, I'm not a fan. Um, a- appealing to a deity that I don't believe in to save someone who already has the best medical care and security detail money can possibly buy. I believe they're <laughs> wasted words, apart from it being a musical dirge. Uh, but there've been other promotions <laughs> and reallocations. There've been reprintsings. Uh, Wales has had a princessimentation of um, uh, William's uh, wife, uh, Kate. She's now Princess of Wales. Camilla, Prince Charles's uh, wife, has been of- officially consortificated, I believe, is the uh, technical term. And Prince Andrew. <laughs> Uh, has been left in the care of two corgis. So so it's all changed.
1: (laughs) The Queen Consort sounds like the last chocolate left in the box after coffee and orange cream. That's a horrible title. It It really is. It really is. Oh, no, there's only Queen Consort's left. I don't want one of those.
0: (laughs) And I was going to ask, because obviously the Queen was a global figure... um, and India is a member of the of of the Commonwealth, thanks to our well I may let's euphemistically describe it as shared history um <laughs> not entirely voluntarily shared but shared nonetheless what was the reaction um because I, I know a lot of people in India are still awaiting for an official apology from the british state for some of the more shall we call them enthusiastic excesses hmm. of empire some of the more pelaginous ex- executative bloopers or the more famine exacerbating or massacristic abominabilisms <laughs> as i believe they're called or the more diamond swiping trickle treaties and the the more acquisitive in pilferings uh, it, it is an apology what india wants from charles well the bbc headline
2: was very good it said india pays respectful indifference (laughs) to the state funeral um and i I don't know what respectful indifference is but indian twitter uh and tiff was talking about how twitter went crazy indian twitter went absolutely berserk uh about the kohino diamond because it seemed like however inappropriate it might be it seemed like this was a good time for uncouth people on twitter to, to come and say these things and they were saying give us the kohino back and they were Transfixed on the fact that the thing, the the jewel that sits on top of the queen's crown is the Kohino, which in fact it is not. It sits in the <laughs> queen mother's crown, and I think it's in the Tower of London. Yes. And then Twitter started putting up photographs of random jewellery, uh, <laughs> saying that this <laughs> this belongs to the queen. So there's a there's a a lot of people in India have moved on, Andy. And in fact, the day before her demise, uh, Prime Minister Modi renamed. Rajpat, which was the central avenue of Delhi leading to the Viceroy's house, uh, the Rajpat of the British Raj. He renamed it to Kartavya which is uh, the the path of hard work. And he said, we need to shed our colonial baggage and all of that uh, ill-timed because it just happened about 20 minutes before the queen passed away. And then immediately that evening, he said that he was a huge fan of the queen. And he was. Because Prime Minister Modi, uh, who's obviously personal likes and dislikes now guide uh, 1.3 billion people, uh, (laughs) got some sort of a present from the Queen that Mahatma Gandhi had given her. And this is what I've realized. If you reign for 70 years, you can re-gift stuff to generations (laughs) of great leaders. She might have some stuff from Emperor Nero that she can pass on to Mario Draghi. You know, there are things you can do if you've been in charge. Um, but I just want to say one very quick thing about the monarchy. And I just want to know what you guys think of this. Um, and we've discussed this on this podcast, Andy, Tiff. I'm a huge fan of monarchies, but not the wishy-washy constitutional kind. Um, because there's too much leeway to the general public, and it's dangerous. <laughs> um, I mean, do You want to get old
0: school on it, do you? you want to go back to...
2: Exactly, Andy. Emperor right. Akbar, for example, the great Indian emperor, ruled for 66 years. Now... If he found out that you disrespected him, he'd have your head smashed with an elephant. Um, right. <laughs> and and then you sort of know where you stand. So
1: right. <laughs> Under an elephant. <laughs> so so b-
0: benevolent waving and constitutional neutrality doesn't cut it for you, Anivab. You want elephants on heads. It's meek. It's meek, right, Andy. Okay. And so my request to your public um, yep.
2: is uh, just two things. Please bring back drawing and quartering and beheading. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: America, uh, as America is obsessed with the British British monarchy, very much a here's what you could have had mm. um, uh, thing. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, he threw some shade at uh, Joe Biden, the president, <laughs> because he was seated near the back of the funeral service. And Trump said there's no way he would have been treated like that. Well, for a start, well done, uh, Donald, for making the state funeral of our national state granny all about you. Uh, mm. But it was also an interesting revelation that evidently as president... Past and perhaps future, Trump was contemplating either joining the Commonwealth or readopting the British monarchy, uh, or even reapplying for colony status. Because that is why Biden was so far back, because <laughs> the Commonwealth heads of state were were in front, in front of him. So maybe this is this is Trump's unique way of saying America made a mistake and wants to rejoin the United Kingdom. Yeah.
1: There was me just thinking it was because Biden didn't get on the bus. Like, the bus got first. Well, the bus was first.
0: fascinating,
1: wasn't it? The, the, well, there was, there, was, there was an interesting... Apparently, the German president ar- arrived in a black BMW with the number plate Germany 1, or G-E-R-1, <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. I liked the idea that, actually, if we're going to play to the stereotype, that before getting into Westminster Hall, uh, the Germans had laid down a couple of towels on the front fuse <laughs> to make sure... <laughs> They got the best seats. And um, uh, President Mattarella of Italy was dropped off in a Maserati. I mean, come on! <laughs> come on! What,
0: what happened to the state Vespa, for instance?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have been... It would have been cooler. But uh, you got to... Everyone was really sort of playing to type with this. But there was a motorcade, wasn't there, for for Biden. And then everyone else on the minibus. And it's like that one person whose dad drops them off in his Rolls Royce. <laughs> like, um, and so, yeah... I mean, I mean, it was, it, they were asked to, this is what, according to Politico, Westminster Abbey informed the world leaders they were told they would not be permitted to use their own state cars. Um, and they were also asked to arrive via commercial flights where possible to this ceremony, which is an excessive display of wealth and pad, pageantry, but keep it low key if you're coming, guys, out <laughs> of respect to the fact that she was better than you. Um, Charles's crown has its own car. And then you've got like sort of dignitaries arriving from around the world and heads of state but like get your sandwiches and your Ribena because you're going on a bus, mate.
2: (laughs) There was uh, something uh, that uh, Justin Trudeau um, did the night before. He was staying at the Savoy and he joined the people at the piano bar to sing songs from the band (laughs) Queen to respect the Queen. And that was not seen in in very good light. Also, I've realised now that I spent more and more time in this country that it's impossible to explain this country to anyone right how, how do you for example how do you for example tell the world that i love you for this country means i will join a stoic queue and associate my beloved monarch with a fictional per- peruvian immigrant bear who loves marmalade sandwiches I mean, how do these things connect how do i go back to india and explain to people that these four disparate things are connected
0: well it is i mean if, if you try to start understanding britain and all its rituals um You've made a massive mistake. You you, you have to just accept it. But it's part of being British, you just accept it, you don't question it, you don't examine it. Um, The the funeral was a fascinating occasion and, and spectacle Uh, The Queen was viewed as exemplifying the the best of British modesty, peacefulness, humility, and uh, what better way to pay tribute to that than by a mile-long procession of military personnel tooled up with everything from machine guns to whopping great swords to a tactical nuclear weapon disguised as a fancy hat. Uh, It was an extraordinary procession, also a total sellout, huge huge crowds, um, Certainly the biggest crowds in London since the um, protest in favour of a second vote on Brexit (laughs) in 2019. (laughs) Another moment of shared communal loss and emotion. Um, It was was at once an incredible uh, choreographed performance and unbelievably f***ing ridiculous. And that is what we do best in this country. We do fancy dress parades better than any nation in the world could possibly, possibly dream of. Uh, And, I mean, it's hard to... uh, You you ask these questions, you know, when you're just watching the parade, Anuvab, um, Mm. you would ask, uh, well, a number of things about the the, the funeral itself, then the parade. I mean, why was Boris Johnson there? Mm. Um, uh, Mm. No real reason, other than the fact that they invited all eight living current and former Prime Ministers, John Major, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, David Cameron, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, an aching void of nothingness and Liz Truss. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Mr Void of Nothingness stood in uh, whilst Boris Johnson did absolutely f*** all during his last few months as Prime Minister uh, and is of course set to become Lord Void of Nothingness uh, when Johnson's valedictory honours list is announced. Um, You might also ask why was the coffin pulled on a gun carriage by 142 sailors. Yeah. And that, of course, was in tribute to Jeff Boycott's series turning <laughs> innings of 142 not out the SCG in <laughs> the 1970-71 Ashes. <laughs> Another question you might have asked watching the funeral is why do the dr- drummers put their sticks under their noses whilst drumming? I don't know if you noticed, they do a little bit of drumming and then the drumsticks go up mm. under their nose. So I did a bit of research into this and uh, it's because they it's a tradition that goes back to the uh, 18th century. Uh, that uh, drummers uh, in the British military have to smell that their drumsticks are made of wood, Uh, because this came after a disastrous defeat during the War of Percival's Cheek um, at the Battle of Denis Chavez, uh, where French agents (laughs) snuck into the British encampment, switched all their drumsticks for cheese straws, and (laughs) rendered the British infantry unable to march into battle in time, (laughs) because the drummers' cheese straws disintegrated to crumbs within the first three minutes of the advance. Ever since then, all drummers have to sniff their drumsticks for cheeseness at least every eight wax. So, um
1: <laughs> That blows out my theory. I always thought it was so they could drum a bit and then go, oh, look, moustache.
0: <laughs> also, and apologies, Buglers, if I have said this before, she did exemplify hope of a more egalitarian future for this nation because the Queen lived a very long, healthy, happy working life, still working until days before she passed away. Uh, she was given a regular income, somewhere to live, no questions asked. So essentially, <laughs> she was a trial scheme for universal basic income, uh, which is often put forward as a, as, a, as a means of dealing with some of the economic inequalities of our times, often derided as costly and effective lefty twaddle. But the Queen showed how well it can work, which makes <laughs> the Queen the most effective left-wing political and economic experiment in British history. So let us give, a, give, uh, give credit and thanks to that. I mean, some people say well, that you know the monarchy is what makes us as a nation. Uh, other people say it, it restrains and restricts us as a nation. I think both sides are right, essentially. Uh, so, I, but I can't see it changing in the next 50 years, by which time I fully intend to be one or more of living in space with Elon Musk and his band of time-travelling renegades or UN Secretary General or world number <laughs> one ranked tennis player or dead or host of Last Week Tonight. So it's not really going to affect me too much in, in my lifetime. And I think there's so many more things that are more urgent to address in this. I would like to, I'd like to see it scaled back. And I, I, the, the sort of pomp and the tradition leaves me a little bit cold, but I appreciate that you know a lot of people uh, like it, um, but um, I, there's so many more things about our political system that I think are more urgent, whether it's our first past the post system, political patronages and the uh, House of Lords. and you know, 70% percent of the, the
1: Cabinet being role. privately educated. Yes. So yeah. I think there's, the things, new... <laughs> there's, there's things that we
0: need to address more urgently than one of the few things that has actually been discernibly functioning uh, as it's vaguely supposed to. If you had to do one job for seventy years, uh, what, what would you what would you most like to do?
2: Well, I'd like to be a monarch ordained by God. I think it's a pretty right. good job. <laughs> I think that that it's uh, if likeable. you yeah, it's definitely better than being you know petty Indian comedian traveling the world. <laughs> <laughs> Anything
1: I was going to say, I quite like being a petty comedian traveling the world. (laughs) So if we could just keep this going, um, uh, you know, and also film star, you know, so let's let's work on it. Let's work on it. I mean, uh, yeah. Could I, you know, would I enjoy part of it is like how much do you enjoy bagpipes? You've got to bear that in mind if you're (laughs) going to be a queen or a king, because Mm. that's how you're woken up in the morning.
3: A yes. piper
1: wakes you up and, you know, listen, my dad's Scottish, but he's like, um, you know, your bladder bag, the bla- the old bladder bags <laughs> going off. You know, he's not, he's not a mad fan of it. Um, and I live with a Scotsman who is not, um, you know, overly effusive. He's like, I don't mind it a bit, but it's quite overbearing. So you've got to bear that in mind. If you're going to be a monarch, that's what you're waking up to. That's your alarm clock. My alarm clock currently is, is my cat vomiting in another room of the house right. which is quite an effective alarm clock because nothing will get you out of bed quicker than Urgh! from yeah. another mm. room
0: so quite mm. similar to bagpipes in many ways, <laughs> you know? if, you keep, if you keep squeezing the cat to make sure it's got it all out uh, there was a lot of bagpipes at the funeral which i'd assume was you know like they, they they knock on the pope's coffin don't they to check that he's dead and i think that's what we do with monarchs in this country is we play bagpipes for an hour knowing that <laughs> if you're not 100% <laughs> dead at some point, you're going to say, fuck's sake, shut that racket down. Uh, <laughs> um, it was, I mean, it's a long time to be to do a job. Uh, the population of the world trebled from 2.6 billion to around about 8 billion under the Queen's reign as she unleashed an era of unquenchable romance. Uh, <laughs> as the, uh,
1: I thought you were going <laughs> to say the uh, the banging era, an era of banging.
0: Um this was this was a stat that I I found quite interesting that the oldest mp to to be in parliament uh during the queen's reign was born in 1871 and the youngest was born in 1996. Uh so that's that's a long time that's 125 years worth of births of MPs. <laughs> um there were 15 Prime Ministers, uh, 16, uh, if you include the aching void of nothingness, during uh, the Queen's reign.
1: <laughs> well, listen, she saved us from Boris doing a speech at the funeral. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, that see, is, like, the Queen has got some, mwah, you many know, she knew what she was doing. Yeah, uh, There have <laughs>
0: been 71 England cricket captains, um, uh, from Donald Carr and Molly Hyde to Ben Stokes and Nat Siver, and 31 Secretaries of State for Education, or variations on that post, which really should tell British children how f- low they are in our national priority list. Well, look, we are running out of time on this bugle. We did have quite a lot to get through in terms of British politics, but I think that might have to wait uh, until <laughs> next week. And also, then the, the incoming trust government uh, will have uh, unleashed what it's euphemistically calling a fiscal event. Um, <laughs> Uh, It's like an emergency budget, uh, but they're calling it a a a fiscal event. uh, Or um, panic-ridden shitstorm, I believe, is the official uh, economic uh, terminology. We will report back on that um, uh, next week. Uh, We have also run out of time to cover other major news stories, including the chess grandmaster anal beads conspiracy. (laughs) Which might be the greatest news story in the history of all humanity. Um, with all due respect to the Bible writers and uh, other historians, um, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it's just it, uh, we can't really go into it in superficial. This is a story that requires a full, a full analysis. We're going to save that uh, for a future bugle, um, because this has been a time of, well, of uh, of sadness, of loss. The retirement of Roger Federer has hit me very hard indeed. (laughs) Um, And we'll never really be able to look at the world the same again uh, once that sumptuous backhand has played its last stroke. Um, Thank you very much uh, for uh, uh, joining us for our um, British 10 Days of Mourning and National Fantasy special. Um, (laughs) Don't forget to buy tickets to the Bugle 15th anniversary live tour shows available online now from any computer you can get your hands on uh, shows in london on the 15th which i think is sold out and 22nd of october and glasgow are we ad- adding an extra show in glasgow chris
2: i don't know andy are oh, we
0: well we'll sort that out Let, let's uh, let's try and sort that out in the next uh, uh, couple of days um out of Respects uh, for <laughs> Her Majesty. Uh, Dublin and Birmingham. Um, details on the internet, also at the com, which is part of the internet. I'm also doing some uh, satirists for high shows in mid-November. Uh, details also on the internet. Uh, Tiff, anything coming up?
1: Um, I'm doing Aberystwyth uh, Comedy Festival on the 1st of October, I think. So I'm doing my show Sexy Brain um, at that, so yeah, buy some tickets to that. And I have other live shows, but if you just go to my Twitter at Stevenson or the Instagram, you can watch clips of me um, losing my mind uh, and <laughs> uh, and find out where I'm where I'm playing live shows.
2: And uh, about Andy, I'm still getting over the words chess and anal beads in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been quiet for a while because it's it's been. I, I don't know whether this episode is about homage or anal beats. I'm a bit <laughs> uncertain of, of how much respect to pay. But um, our podcast, Our Last Week, has restarted. And uh, we are uh, doing a podcast about conundrums from India. Um, and it's available where podcasts are available. Um, and I'm doing a live show at Market Drayton, which is a town in Shropshire, and the show is about Lord Clive, um, uh, whatever he was of India. And he came to my hometown with some intention, so I'm going to his now. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge, <laughs> 250 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's on Thursday the 22nd. Um, so by the time
0: people listen to this, it'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you uh, for listening, Bugles. We'll be back next week.